Hi, everyone. I am here to say thank you. Just the biggest, most grateful thank you that anyone has has ever said. Jesse and I are both just like overwhelmed by the incredible amount of love and support that you folks have sent our way since we announced that we're stepping back from Harry Potter. I I truly cannot express how much it means to both of us. Um, So to everyone who has sent us a message, whether that's like an Instagram comment or DM or email or Patreon message, honestly, like the number of times I have cried from just reading something so heartfelt and kind in the last week is like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have words. I just, um, I'm so grateful. I don't know if we're going to be able to respond to every message and email that we've received, but I want you to know that we have read all of them and we are just so grateful. Yeah. And we've had several folks send us donations, which is so kind. We're so grateful. Um, I want to say thank you to Carolyn, Anne, and Fee for leaving us donations. I also want to thank all of our new patrons. As you folks know, one of the big fears that we had in making this decision was about how it was going to affect our Patreon, since this is how we make a living. And while understandably we have had a decent number of folks leave Patreon, folks who were just you know, who were there for our Harry Potter content and like who for them, it doesn't make sense to continue giving us money for content that they don't want. We have had more people join than leave. And that is such an incredible feeling. So I want to, I want to shout out both our new patrons and also our, our patrons who have been around, who decided to increase their pledges. So thank you to Alicia, Amelia, Jessica, Melissa, Kate, Alicia, Tony, Rachel, Kira, Hannah, Floor, Anastasia, Rebecca, Caleb, Leah, Jason, Ilana, Martha, Vicky C, Lucian, Allison, Danielle, Dan, Karina, Ruth, Anne, Megan, Jessica, Eli, Jillian, M, Gwen, Jordan, Kimberly, Meredith, and Paula. The feeling in my heart reading those names, it's impossible for me to adequately express how much all of your support means to me and to Jesse. Jesse and I actually recorded a version of this together and then the audio got messed up. So you just have me, but I am speaking for both of us. And this community is amazing and we are just so grateful to all of you. So yeah, the last thing I want to say is that our next episode will be about Black Panther. So if you want to be, you know, watching and reading and whatever along with us as we switch into this new format, I'm going to make sure to always tell you what our next episode will be about so that you can consume that media if you want to. Yeah, that's it. Just once again, thank you all so much. And let's get into the episode. 
Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches do whatever the fuck we want. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And uh, today we're talking about Doctor Who! Woohoo! The best of days. We, yeah, we decided to bring the people what they want, slash... Both Lark and I really like Doctor Who, so we're going to be talking about the 50th anniversary episode of Doctor Who, The Day of the Doctor. Yeah, but first we're just going to talk about Doctor Who, like our relationships with it and stuff like we do when we do these one-off episodes. And before we do that, I'm going to say the things like, please support us on Patreon and buy our merch and... Leave us a nice review, especially to like crowd out our like third one star review where someone said (laughs) a lot of things that are fine. You don't have to think that we're funny or whatever. But the end of it, they were like, it's not edited. And that was I was like, please give me your email address so I can send you the seven hours of raw footage of episode one. (laughs) My dude. Like these are fighting words. I don't care if you don't think I'm funny, but how dare you say (laughs) Also, I feel like I would never judge a podcast by only having listened to the first episode. So rude. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Leave us a nice review. We will appreciate it. (laughs) Did you see that review, Jesse? I read it today and I'm like, I'm like not even mad because I'm just like, you're incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is funny about how incorrect you are yeah and right you do not have to like our podcast style or think that we're funny but everyone's first episode is rough unless you're like sponsored by like npr or a lot you have like a huge budget and not just two queers that have depression (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) yeah exactly um Whatever. It's fine. People leave one-star reviews. That's their business. It says more about them than us. But um, don't insult my editing. I didn't know how to edit. And also, it was a mess. Anyway, anyway, Jesse, please tell me about your relationship with Dr. Who. (laughs) You wouldn't watch a show. You wouldn't watch the first episode of Dr. Who. That came out literally in 1963 and be like, man, I can't watch any of this new stuff. It's like, have you seen this show? It's so cheesy. Which is to say that Doctor Who has been intermittently on the air since 1963, (laughs) which is epic for a science fiction show. Um, I, I think like many other Americans, didn't get into it until... I don't know, the early, oh, geez, the, like, 2010s, my brother was like, we should watch Doctor Who. And I'm like, okay, I vaguely heard about this because being a sci-fi nerd means that I am va- I was vaguely aware of Doctor Who being a thing that people liked. This is before the reboot in 05. And so me and my brother started watching the new Doctor Who, starting with not the ninth Doctor, um, but... I think Eleven was the first Doctor that I watched, like, as the episodes were coming out. So, kind of a fondness in my heart for, like, Amy and Rory and Eleven and, of course, River Song I'm obsessed with because what 
I think if you're attracted to ladies and you watch Doctor Who, I'm like, who isn't attracted to her? For real. Her song is everything. And yeah, I mean, obviously as someone who likes sci-fi, especially when kind of like one of the strength of sci-fi is being able to solve problems without having to use violence. And that's sort of the thesis of the show Mm -hmm. that the doctor uses intellect and compassion and a magic wand and a magic (laughs) wand related to our to our uh fantasy nerds here to solve various problems and have adventures around the galaxy it's just like through time and space yeah what is not to love and of course also like any person like a deep and i think explainable attraction to david Tennant, aka the 10th doctor yeah because he's just a sexy motherfucker and i can't that's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh, Doctor Who is great. Uh, also watched Torchwood. Obviously, this sort one of the 2000s, 2010s uh, spinoffs of Doctor Who, along with I didn't I didn't watch the Sarah Jane Chronicles, but I did watch Torchwood. Obviously, for being just weirder and freakier <laughs> than <laughs> the Doctor Who, which is at its heart. Uh, uh, an, an all ages family show which i appreciate yeah i'm obviously the opposite in that i have watched the sarah jane adventures which is like marketed towards an even younger demographic like it's a kid's show whereas doctor who is a family show but torchwood was like way too stressful for me and i could not watch that show <laughs> it is it's deeply it's deeply uneven in its quality and its storytelling um it is very sexy though it's and just, obviously it's grimdark i can't it's like no that's fair and like children of earth was like deeply upsetting even though i watched the whole series like four times <laughs> i watched actually i think i might have watched all of torchwood i just was like not happy about the fact that i was watching torchwood yeah and like i still have like it's not like I guess it's not a nightmare. It's more like an intrusive thought, maybe, where like my brain just gets stuck on the part where Jack was like in a coffin underground, like dying and being resurrected repeatedly for like hundreds of years. Like my claustrophobia imploded when I when that happened. And I wish I could extract it from my brain because it is so upsetting to me. Yeah, it is definitely, like, the definition of nightmare fuel at yeah. times. Yeah, So anyway. But you stopped watching it at some point, right? I did stop watching it at some point. Mostly, I, uh... And I feel like this is hard to explain for people who, like, weren't on Tumblr during the Super Hulock uh, era, which is a deeply traumatic part of Tumblr fandom, where it seemed like every 14-year-old white person watched both Doctor Who, Sherlock, and Supernatural and, like, posted on Tumblr about it constantly and also were racist because they were 14-year-old white kids who, like, didn't know about diversity, like, didn't weren't living in a segregated area because most white people live in a segregated area. And it was just such a psychically painful time for me that I, like, stopped watching Sherlock and I stopped watching Doctor Who, like, at a... And that was, like, around the time when, like... It was transitioning into Claire as a companion and like, and even though I was like, oh, I should really watch like the Compaldi seasons, like like her really good things about it. I just 
didn't get back to it because mm-hmm. of the whole like I was like I'm done with all of these things <laughs> and considering two out of the three things of Super Hulock was a Steve Moffat production I'm like I can't I'm taking a break I'm just gonna watch literally actually I got back in, I got into Game of Thrones that's what took over my brain for several years uh, but then that also ruined my psyche so <laughs> I think I'm prepared to come back to Doctor Who <laughs> I'm like nothing's gonna ruin my brain and my soul worse than the end of Game of Thrones so might as well get back into Doctor Who <laughs> I, so I have no basis of like what all of that was I haven't seen Sherlock or Supernatural and I'm like honestly so so intrigued but also like you don't need to explain it if you mostly mostly just like rabid fans rabid fans with not a lot of life experience who are terminally online like rabidly justifying two white dudes fucking in various configurations and just i couldn't i just could not i don't care i could not and i'm just like i need a break from this consuming my brain that sounds uh, very fair. And I think also part of it is that, like, I don't know. I was going through, like, this is in my 20s. I was going through, like, an emotionally rough time. So, like, all I did was spend time on the internet mm-hmm. thinking about fandom. But I'm in a much healthier place mentally now than I was <laughs> when I quit Doctor Who. And this episode kind of was, like, actually very exciting. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a lot of the fun things that I love about Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, just hearing the theme song, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's like Pavlovian response about like, yeah. ooh, what's gonna, what's gonna happen? Yeah. I'm very excited for you to watch, like, to get caught up, um, even though we were talking off the air the other day about, like, a lot of the really fucked up, especially around race stuff that happens in Capaldi's third season. I mean, I did survive a whole season with Martha as a companion, which often had a lot of fucked up race shit. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stop watching after that. So, <laughs> but yes, I'm prepared. I'm mentally prepared to be like cringed to have like a lot of cringe about it. Yeah, and I honestly, if you don't care about spoilers, might recommend listening to the woke Doctor Who episode where they dig into sort of all of the race stuff in Capaldi's run because the way that I personally relate to media I feel like hearing people who have podcasts like ours like tell me everything that I need to be prepared for in a like nuanced and thoughtful way before going into it makes it like easier for me to approach it but I don't know if that's um I used to not be that person but now I am yeah (laughs) I realized uh I now I'm like is this going to be potentially emotionally upsetting for me? I need to have spoilers for it. I need to know what I'm getting into before I emotionally invest. Yeah. So. It's helpful. Yeah. Anyway, tell me about your journey slash relationship with Doctor Who. <sighs> so, I don't remember when I started watching it. I know that Evan introduced me to it. So, it was sometime after 2010. So we binged, like, the first four seasons, and then when Tenen, yeah, so, like, when Ten, when the Tenth Doctor dies, for whatever reason, I was just like, I don't, I can't meet a new Doctor right now. Like, I can't do this. And we stopped watching it, and then we, like, didn't have cable again, or, like, any streaming services again for, like, a long time. And sometime in the past 
however many years I was like, all right, I'm ready. And like watched, watched all of it again. And then was like, I was so silly to stop watching it because Matt Smith is my favorite doctor, like by a lot. He does, he does an excellent job. I feel like people gave him shit for like, for like, I think be like the youngest incarnation of the doctor so far, but I'm like, Matt Smith does a, does an excellent job. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Agreed. He's, yes. I know everyone is like, David Tennant is like the doctor, like, you know, this new era that we're about to enter into is being like, look, the Doctor Who that you've missed is back and we can prove it by having a three episode run with David Tennant as the doctor. It's okay. Everyone take a breath. (laughs) But yeah, Matt Smith is my doctor. And yeah, like you, I fucking love River Song with my whole heart. I definitely recommend that everyone who's like really nerdy um, do the thing where you look up like River Song's episodes sequentially from like her perspective and watch it like that because it's very fun. Yeah. When the pandemic started, I watched seasons one through whenever Capaldi left. So seasons one through 10 um, and then like finished that and then did it again. Like, it's just my comfort show, and it's the show that I go to when I'm having what I now recognize are autistic meltdowns, where I'm like, my dogs are barking, and, like, things are happening, and I'm crying. Like, the one thing I can do is put on my noise-canceling headphones and turn on Doctor Who, and then I will be better. So it's, like, very, very much my, like, safe space, my comfort show. Which means, folks, that we will, in fact, not be pivoting to creating a Doctor Who podcast, no matter how much you guys might want that, because it's good to not monetize all of your comfort things. Yeah, I can't Um, turn Doctor Who into work. I simply cannot. Um, Also, there's a ton of excellent Doctor Who podcasts out there for y'all, so. Yeah, you can even hear us on one of them on the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey podcast. We've both been guests. Were we on an episode of Woke Doctor Who or they had an episode for... Uh, they're on an episode of our podcast. All right. Yeah. And then I stopped. Well, I didn't stop watching. I've watched all of Whitaker's seasons, but like, I think they're a mess. <laughs> I think that Chris Chibnall like drove this ship <laughs> into the ground. Oh, no. Uh, I love her as a doctor and I love her companions, but like the episodes are just like not good. And also it got like really gritty. Like they forgot that they were a family show and the production value, like they just like got so much money. And so they were like going really hard on creating these like very beautiful things where I'm like, no, I want like cheap and campy and you're giving me like, gritty and expensive and then it was only coming out every other year because it costs so much anyway i'm very bitter i'm very glad that chibnall is stepping back yeah so you oh right you texted me and we're like we should give a like what is doctor who for for folks who maybe are never gonna watch doctor who yeah so this is actually really funny because when i was originally watching doctor who with my brother when like in the 2010s i had to pirate the shit because it was only available on the bbc mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's available on hbo which is like or like what was it bbc america i think it was on hulu it was on hulu for a long time yeah it was on hulu for a long time and then it wasn't but now it's on hbo which is really nice 
Um, but yeah, for a long time I had to pirate it. So, uh, which feels very vintage. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be switching to Disney Plus like pretty soon too. Which just is for the record, weird. It's but... great, actually. Like at least Davies is like this is exactly what I wanted for Doctor Who when I like brought it back in two thousand five. Wait, was are to, they bringing like... back Russell T. With Davies? Huh? Is yeah. that, are they bringing back Russell T. Yeah. Davies? Did I not know this? Yeah, oh, he's God. taking back over. Good. Take take Disney's money and make it real Yeah, clear. he's like, I just want a Doctor Who expanded universe the way that Star Wars has an expanded universe now that Disney has it. So, like, this is what I want. I want the Disney money so that I can create the Doctor Who expanded universe that I've always dreamed of. So Which is going like, to be great. Great. Because I am lukewarm about Star Wars in general, but I know the extent they spend the expanded Ugh, the extended universe shows on Disney have been like top notch shit, which is like great because the one of the biggest weaknesses of Star Wars is that it's all about the Skywalker family, which is boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though the Doctor as a character isn't boring, it's still great to have an expanded universe of characters that have been on Doctor Who. So this is gonna be great. Yeah, playing out in the universe, I would also love to watch. <laughs> like, I don't know, it doesn't have to matter why animated episode of doctor who just saying Ooh, that would be such a good way to like have like a full river song spinoff yeah not even like a whole like see even though a whole series would be pretty cool but like random episode not explain or it's like we are stuck in an animation two-dimensional two-dimensional world anyway there actually is a a two-dimensional monster season or episode of capaldi's first season for the record yeah (laughs) <laughs> all right sorry everyone is like what the fuck are you guys talking about uh doctor who is about an alien character the doctor who travels around in his ship called the tardis which is a blue police box which you if you are at any tangentially related to sci-fi media maybe you have seen on the internet or on someone's backpack or if you live in the city of detroit there is a tiny library there's one here the, too shit with the tardis on Warren Avenue in Woodbridge. <laughs> I will, I think I have a picture of me by it. I gotta dig that out and then we can put it in the show notes. Definitely. Because obviously I took a photo of it standing by that. Um, and yes, this show has been on sort of since the 60s. Uh, it is a beloved British piece of media. And because of the internet, also a beloved piece of media all over uh, the world. And because... And it is so long running because like James Bond, kind of, you can kind of built into the show as a way to keep swapping out the actors because the doctor regenerates and turns and just like keeps going, but you can have new actors. So that's why you're like, why are these guys numbered? That That's why. Yeah. There are, are colloquially, what are we at? 11? No, we're at 13? 13. 13th doctor. Whitaker is the 13th, so we're about to be on the 14th. Although I think we're counting David Tennant regenerating again as the 14th, so I think that Shudigawa is going to actually be the 15th Doctor. Okay. And they, so that's like kind of it in a nutshell, folks. Um, obviously, there's a lot of complicated lore and backstory that you could get into, which we'll get into a little bit because it's sort of the focus of this episode. As the 50th anniversary episode, they kind of it goes all out and also has a lot of callbacks to both the original OG series and to the reboot continuation that started in 2005. We're yeah. going to get to a lot of, a lot of the nitty gritty stuff. And if you wanted to start, you could 
you could essentially start with whatever doctor, honestly. Um, I would recommend starting with Nine because I actually personally really love Nine. I think he is maybe not as popular of a doctor because it's just he's he was only here for one season. But I think he's I think Christopher Eccleston, Chris, Christopher Eccleston was a great doctor, honestly. So I think he had, I think he had some stuff going for him that I appreciated. Is all. He's grown on me, mostly because like a lot of the episodes in season one are actually like really, really good, tight episodes. And so I'll like rewatch them because the plot is great. I don't love him. That's fair. He's he's not a he's not a fan favorite, which is, I think, kind of why I like him, because <laughs> I'm always like, that's all. That's fine. You know, yeah. you can't have the sexual charisma David Tennant. <laughs> to <ghost> on. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, they do make up for it by bringing in Captain Jack, so. Yeah. Which, listeners, Captain Jack is an immortal bisexual time traveler (laughs) who I think, like Spike on Buffy, just has chemistry with literally everyone. And a running joke on the show is that, like, he says hi to someone and the doctor, like, chastises him. (laughs) It's like, there's a time and a place. He's like, I'm just saying hi, but everyone's like, you're not just saying hi. Um, I love how you bring that up, considering there's a couple episode arc where James Marsters is also playing his sort of rival bisexual time traveler. Yes. And you're like, Worlds collide. Sexual chemistry collide. We should state that's in Torchwood, not in Doctor Who. That's in Torchwood? Yeah. Oh, sorry. You're right. In an episode of Torchwood that happens, which don't watch Torchwood. (laughs) 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 But you can find YouTube videos of that if you are so inclined. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the only other thing is like they, the Doctor always has a companion. It's very important that the Doctor have a at least in the new run, a human companion. I think in the old one, often they were from other planets, but um, basically the doctor has a hard time having a conscience, which I think comes up in this episode. And so needs a human around to be like, what are you doing, my friend? Like you've been alive for too long. You've forgotten. Um, Yeah. And because humans can pair bond with just about anything, it it really works out. Yeah. So... Yeah. All right. So this episode, shall we? Um, I wrote the summary today, everyone, so it's not going to be as funny as you're usually used to. I'm sorry. All right. The Day of the Doctor, in which... On Gallifrey, in a face we haven't seen before, the Doctor decides to end the Time War by stealing a super weapon called the Moment, which is so powerful it has developed a conscience. That conscience takes the form of Rose Tyler as Bad Wolf, who decides to talk him out of killing all of his own people by showing him what it will turn him into, aka David Tennant and Matt Smith. She gathers them all together in 1500s England, where an attempted Zygon invasion is underway. More on that later. The three doctors reflect on the whole last of their species thing and have some touching moments, eventually leading them to conclude that it was the right decision after all, but this time they will do genocide together for moral support. (laughs) Clara, who showed up a little while ago, is like, wait, no, I don't think that was the point, which the moment as Rose agrees with. The doctors realize that they have three TARDISes, which means that they can do some sort of spacey-wacy thing and lock Gallifrey in a pocket universe and let their enemies, the Daleks, kill each other. It probably works. Meanwhile, that whole Zygon invasion thing has been going on. In the 1500s, they hid inside some Time Lord bigger on the inside paintings that they somehow got a hold of, and now in 2013, they've busted out and are going to take over the planet by shape-shifting into the people in charge... 
of the Unified Intelligence Task Force, UNIT, and getting access to the Black Archive, aka the Alien Tech Depot. Kate Stewart, (laughs) head of UNIT, is going to blow up London to stop them, but the doctors show up to be like, this is actually a lesson for me because it's like my situation in miniature. Thanks for the insight and make everyone forget that if they're human or Zygon so that they have to reach a compromise, which they apparently do, but we don't know what it is because that's not the point of the episode. The end. <laughs> excellent. Thank you. That's an excellent, excellent summary. Now we're going to start things off 25 minutes in with today's <laughs> headlines. <laughs> Doctors say you should avoid this one thing if you want to heal from your trauma. Is crossing your own time stream the thing holding you back from moving on? (laughs) (sighs) Y'all, dudes will cross their own timelines, but won't go to therapy. All right. Oh, Jesus. Return to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. You start. The very beginning of this episode, uh, Eleven suggests to Clara that they could go have, or Clara asked if they could have cocktails on the moon. And I'm like, I would also like to have cocktails on the moon. Thanks. Someone, someone made that happen. Thank you. <laughs> Agreed. It's very cute, that mm-hmm. opening scene between the two of them. Yeah, where she sexually rides into the TARDIS on a motorcycle. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Yeah, my first note is that Kate Stewart... So remember in 2013 when you could have different ringtones for different people? Yeah. She has a special ringtone for when the doctor is calling her and it's the TARDIS sound. A+. I love that so much. I just love it so much. A plus plus. Yeah, I th- I think at the height of my Doctor Who, like previous Doctor Who love, I think I actually did have a chunk of the, like the intro to Eleven's Doctor Who theme is like my ringtone. But I, I had to that. change it because then when I heard it, it, it gave me anxiety because I'm like answering the phone. So I don't have ringtones anymore because i'm like i can't have a song that i like because i feel anxious when i hear it yeah totally same (laughs) yeah when i used to have different ringtones for different people i had some song that i liked as the one that played like just for when my family members were calling me and then yes i would get anxiety every time that song came on when i was listening to the cd or whatever and i was like this isn't this isn't good this isn't the point (laughs) yeah yeah (sighs) modern technology man (laughs) Um, I could not help. So we see a bit of a city in Gallifrey in the Time War in this like 3D oil painting Time Lord art, which I feel like there's a joke about AI in there somewhere that I don't have the brain power to make. But I feel like it looked like a deleted scene from Star Wars because a lot of like shooting like red and green like lasers and like weird spaceships flying around. And I'm like, okay, y'all. <laughs> I know it's hard to make a show, make a, to make, to create a scene where it's like you're having a space battle and not somehow have it reference or feel like something from Star Wars, but using the the red and the green lasers, I'm like, this is on purpose, probably, <laughs> or else you could have used literally any other color. Yeah, because also, I mean, I know this is Dalek ships and not Daleks themselves, but they're, when they 
blast people, it's blue. So it would make sense that their ships would be firing blue light things, too. Although I guess some lightsabers are blue, so... Yeah, most of them are most of them are blue and green, and if you're evil, they're red. And if Obviously. you're and if you're literally Samuel L. Jackson who requested a purple lightsaber, <laughs> you have a motherfucking purple lightsaber. Yeah, it's the best. So, I know, I love him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um so I don't know about or care about British royalty, but I do love this like running joke where there was apparently a virgin queen, but actually she wasn't the virgin queen because David Tennant married her. The tenth doctor married her. I guess I should be using numbers. And we see it in this episode and it's great. And I just want to give like a shout out for the part where he um he like proposes because he thinks that she's the Zygon. He's like trying to trick her. And then realizes that it was actually her all along. And then, like, kind of looks at the camera and is like, oh, I'm going to be king. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, of course, Queen Elizabeth's like, "Uh, clearly, yes, I would like to jump this, like, leggy alien dude. Great. (laughs) You don't don't think that I'm, like, a weaker person because I'm a lady? Great. And you're hot? Let's do this. (laughs) You can be king. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, same, honestly. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are so many jokes in this episode, kind of m- making fun of sort of the staples of like New Who. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like how, so when I was, li- okay, sorry, side note, what have you been calling the like young, younger slash older? doctor because i just have in my notes is like leather doctor because he's wearing like a leather duster (laughs) he's the war doctor he's the war doctor yeah okay that's what the internet or what the episode says we should call him that's how he's credited yeah that's what it said in the summary that i was i was like going through because i'm trying to like how do i condense this and i'm like the war doctor anyway so the war doctor pointing out how silly it is to point the sonic screwdriver like a gun is an incredible just inside joke about the show essentially where i'm like yes it is deeply silly thank you (laughs) it's so great because the show tries all the time to be like this what he's like it's a scientific instrument not a water pistol and the show's like no it's a screwdriver it's like this is science this is science fiction and you're like baby you're a fantasy show that's a magic wand like literally the instructions is point and think, and then it does whatever you need it to do, unless the object you're trying to do something to is wood. That's its one (laughs) thing that it can't do. And, like, I mean, literally, the War Doctor with 10 and 11, they point their screwdrivers at a Dalek, and fucking light shoots out and blows up a Dalek. That's never happened before. It's a magic wand. So, yes, I love it. Yeah, I know. Piggybacking off of that, I love that. So he says, like, what are you going to do? Build a cabinet at them? And just for the <laughs> record, that is the third time in this in, in New Who that that joke has been made. Jack Harkness makes that joke, and then River Song makes that joke. And I just, I just love it that they're like, why do you call this a screwdriver? <laughs> like, 
Why are you so dedicated to you calling know, it that? The joke never gets old. I it's like so don't. Good. It's it's always funny because yeah. it is deeply silly to call it a. I mean, I appreciate this like idea where it's like, oh, you know, it's a, it's not a weapon; it's a tool. It's like, no, it's a wand. But yeah. okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I I also like the I mean the first two times that it's made it's someone who has a gun which is what you need in the circumstance that they're in being like you have a screwdriver what are you going to do build a cabinet and like in that moment it's a useless screwdriver because someone is there with a more effective weapon and he doesn't have to make it a weapon and can be like oh it is a screwdriver I don't know I fucking love it I just love it mm-hmm. Yeah I mean <sighs> Also, piggybacking off of that, just the bit about 10 and 11 comparing the sizes of their screwdrivers, <laughs> which, folks, is kind of a euphemism in this regard. I mean, it's definitely a euphemism because Tenet literally is like compensating for something. Regeneration. It's crapshoot. <laughs> so funny. So funny. <laughs> yeah they do a lot of uh like the three doctors do a lot of like sniping at each other kind of whatever and it's all great i i love all of everything that they're doing but when 11 is um introducing them to like the queen's guard or whatever and he's like i'm the doctor and these are my co-conspirators sand shoes and granddad (laughs) (laughs) yes and like also a good shout out to whatever episode it is and it's like these are my co-conspirators the nose the legs and mrs robinson Uh like we're friends just like bro (laughs) i think it's your turn um okay so i didn't notice this initially but i was reading through tv tropes to get as many of the shout outs that i think that i missed and i thought that you would appreciate this in which the uh head general and gal and when they're on gallifrey and they're like in the war room is obviously a picard shout out because he's like a bald dude who has like the like four pips rank of like general on his like collar just like picard does That's great. Yeah. And I'm like, you're right. Every every univ- every sci-fi universe should have a Picard. He's <laughs> <laughs> like Picard's shadow self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I feel like the first time I watched this episode, when, so listeners who haven't watched it, they're like trapped in a cell in the Tower of London in the 1500s and the door of the cell is made of wood so they can't use their magic wand to get out and so they're like oh we all have the same sonic screwdriver it's just been like upgraded over the years so like we can figure out how to dissolve the door if we like the oldest screwdriver if the war doctor scans the door and then like establishes a permanent subroutine doing the math to figure out how to dissolve the door and then like Eleven's screwdriver is 400 years older and so it will have figured it out right whatever the first time I heard that I like immediately integrated into my brain the idea of a permanent subroutine to like 
explain that thing that when, you know, when you're like having a conversation and you're like, what is that thing that I'm thinking of? I can't remember that name, whatever. And then like a week later, all of a sudden it's like ping and you like remember it. That's what's happening is you've just established a permanent subroutine of trying to figure out the name of that person that you can't remember. Right yeah. Now. And I just love having that. It makes me happy. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit of my part of my writing process where I just think about a thing and then it like percolates in the back of my brain that I'm like, oh, that is what I want. Anyway. Yes. Yep. No. I love that part. Um, also related to this scene. The scream that I let out, because this is like a five minute scene about them figuring out how they're going to evaporate this door, only for Clara to walk in and be like, y'all, this door wasn't locked. There's like literally three of y'all. Did none of you try the door? And I just, (laughs) I like literally, I like actually screamed out loud because it was so funny because like this sort of sci-fi trickery is like a staple of Doctor Who and then for Clara just to be like okay but y'all for real (laughs) it's just so funny it's so good (sighs) oh it really is it's excellent alright so a thing that's true about this episode is that they intended for the ninth doctor to be the war doctor to be the doctor that had killed everyone right yeah um but eccleston eccleston is like i don't know a piss baby about doctor who and like loves to just complain about everything and wouldn't come back basically he like wouldn't come back and was like also you're not gonna like make my doctor the bad doctor anyway so i hope i think that it's true i hope that it's true that when the war doctor is regenerating and says, I do hope that the ears are a a bit less conspicuous this time. It's like an intentional dig. Oh no, it is an intention. That is intentionally a dig. (laughs) So much. So, Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, just a playful ribbing between doctor regenerations. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, no, another, another excellent, excellent call out it's so funny all right i actually don't have anything else in this section cool yeah i just have which i guess i said in my summary so it doesn't matter we just don't like they're just like you don't need to know what happened with the zygon thing it's fine um and it does actually come back in capaldi's season we get to learn what it was but like just the show's openness to being like we know that you know that this is not the point of this episode. You don't care what the compromise was. Goodbye. Yeah. It's lovely. I love it. Yeah. It's like you're here because you are a fan of Doctor Who potentially for several decades. Right. And you want to see as many doctors on screen as humanly possible. Yep. 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 <laughs> Which is true. Welcome to the style section where we talk about aesthetics. Um, briefly mentioned this, but I do have to shout out uh, Clara's Clara's red dress, leather motorcycle jacket, leather motorcycle gloves combination. I am not immune <laughs> to a cutie on a motorcycle wearing leather. So <laughs> very fair. It's a, it's a great. It's a great look. Good for good for her. <laughs> yeah, she does look amazing. Um. 
Everyone on Gallifrey wears red all the time. No one's allowed to wear any other colors, including all of the children. <laughs> I'm not sure why why about that, aside from like they need a way to signify to us that these are like Gallifreyan children, and you can tell by all the red. Maybe that's the I don't know. Maybe that's maybe the red dye is one of the biggest imports out of Gallifrey. It's like Time Lords and red dye. <laughs> I don't know. They have a non-beetle-based red dye that's deeply in demand on all the vegan planets. I mean, you know, it's it's probably very ecologically friendly to only use like a red dye that doesn't involve precious stones, metals, p- literal poisons or beetles. So mm. You know, they are supposed to be a more advanced people, so why not? Very true. Um, it would also maybe explain the uh, eclectic outfits of the Doctor, where it's like, I'm fucking never wearing all red again, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into the Doctor's looks, though, uh, I have just a couple more things, which is the one assistant in her obvious nod to the fourth doctor with her very large striped scarf which even before i watched doctor who i was aware of because there used to be in the 90s this like catalog of like sci-fi merch because it's the 90s where so you're gonna get your sci-fi merch um and one of the things this catalog had was a like accurate fourth doctor who fourth doctor scarf that was like 12 feet long oh my god <laughs> and like so i would look at it in the catalog and be like that is like really cool, but also seems very impractical. Yeah. But I was always deeply fascinated by people who wanted this like twelve foot long scarf from a show that I had up to that point had like never even heard of. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, that seems cool and weird, but all right, folks. I mean, I think this scarf is longer than a normal scarf, but definitely not twelve feet long. Probably not. No. Yeah, Osgood is a Doctor super fan. She's like one of my favorite recurring characters and wears like different first Doctor Who run based like outfit things in the different times that she shows up on the show. It's really great. That's adorable. She's like read all the files and she's like, this is great. This is my personality now. And I'm like, (laughs) so many fans can appreciate that. So good for her. Um, so I actually <laughs> want to do a little crossover thing and say uh, the in the sort of museum-y space that they're in, in the in the tower, there's like a giant puffer fish that's like illuminated from below. Did you see that? And my immediate thought was like, oh, if only Ed could see that. <laughs> 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 uh. The crossover, the crossover we need, which is the Doctor visits Blackbeard the pirate, and he's gay. That would be great. That would be just so <laughs> great. That would make me so happy. <laughs> uh, um, so my last bit of uh, not Doctor aesthetic is the extremely boobs out Queen Elizabeth dress they have her in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the first thing I notice is like that is some really excellent like period wear and i'm like wow your boobs are just all the way out and it's not (laughs) listeners not literally all the way out but she is in a corset that is just really making her boobs look great yeah so 
yeah i have no idea if it's historically accurate or not but she looks amazing and um it's what i would put on if i were the queen of england in the 1500s and going on a date with a hot alien like yeah Yeah. like a date where it's like here's a picnic and like a horse ride and like enter whatever kind of sexual things that we can do without with me still technically being a virgin who is unmarried we can do it's a lot Mm -hmm. a lot of things you can do that's not p and v so Mm -hmm. yeah good for her (laughs) um so do you want to start with tardis control rooms or do you want to start with outfits Ooh, we can do either I asked the question. You have to pick. Let's let's do the TARDIS control rooms. I, I have it in my notes and there's the living room, but that's not what it's <laughs> called. <laughs> um, yeah, so we see three iterations of... And Tenet inherited his from nine, right? I don't think it changed. I don't I don't think it changed. I don't think they were planning in the budget to have to build a whole new control room after mm. season one. So. Yeah. And it's really I I I found it like really fun to like have all of them available for us to like compare and contrast. Uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the sort of like nostalgia of seeing like the ten TARDIS living room just like oh good times yeah and 11 calls it his grunge phase <laughs> which is, which is really funny yeah. <laughs> um and them getting all nostalgic for quote-unquote the round things that are from i don't did the tardis interface change in the original run or was it just the I, don't, same? I don't know i don't know when it changed but because I know that the round things are definitely from like the first, very first season, um, and maybe it changed with like four or five or six, I think, because we also don't because we get another change in the episode where the TARDIS becomes human or human or a like person shaped temporarily, and then that weird pocket universe. Yeah, um, and I know this because like. Moffat realized that there was just like the the sets still from like some of the Doctor Who TARDIS sets like not in a basement in a room like somewhere and they're like oh we still have these yeah fucking gonna use this shit and that leads to one of my favorite lines from that episode where like the the TARDIS as woman um says something about like an interface that she has archived like how many she has archived and the doctors like there haven't like there haven't been that many you can't archive something that doesn't exist yet and she's just like you can't <laughs> which is really great yeah that's an episode <laughs> uh, um yeah outfits yeah i have to say i'm really here for the war doctor's leather coat sorry 10 and 11 <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's very a completely different kind of like sci-fi future show you know he he stepped out of a post-apocalypse show it, i was waffling between if he stepped out of mad max or firefly because that's somewhere in between those aesthetics is where the war doctor 100 percent. that is so accurate 
So, because yeah, because uh, let's say so he's wearing a like a leather duster that like goes to like mid knee, um, and like a handkerchief that's like tied a little bit elaborate elaborately around his neck, and I think he's I think he's wearing like a it looks maybe like double breasted, but I can't totally tell because I did not look at a screenshot of this before I started describing this. It is oh yeah, he's is wearing like a double breasted leather vest. I noticed the buttons, but I didn't notice them. I couldn't tell the materials. So I, I don't think we ever get a close. We only get a close up of like him from like sort of like the clavicles up. So I really couldn't tell. Yeah, here let me drop it in the chat. It also has like a pocket chain that goes in both directions. Interesting. It is a good look. I am extremely partial to Eleven's wardrobe. Because, and specifically because, and like, this is so silly because you like never get to see it after the first episode. But in his first episode, he st- he steals his outfit from like the um, like changing room at the hospital where Rory works because he's like still wearing this like burned up suit from when he regenerated. Mm-hmm. And the shirt that he steals... It's a, like, button-down shirt that has, like, a floral sort of stripey pattern on it. It's really beautiful. However, the sleeve cuffs are striped. Like, they're, what is this, horizontally striped, like, red and white. I've never seen a dress shirt like it. It looks so cool, and I love it so much. And literally, it's always under his suit jacket, you never see it, but I know it's there, and it makes me love his outfit like just so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Eleven's outfit because I seriously love a bow tie because I am a dandy. <laughs> Surprise, everyone! <laughs> um, and like, I don't know. I think that Ten's outfit is fun, but it's really just the chucks—the chucks part that really like makes the whole thing. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ten, you you lose out in this ranking of outfits, unfortunately. Yeah, although he does have the, I mean, they're the most practical of the shoes options for the amount of running that the doctor does. Like, 11 and 12 both wear dress shoes, and it's like, that is not what you want to wear for running. Actually, because of my fandom obsession at the time, Eleven actually wears, like, his. he's actually wearing leather boots, <laughs> That I remember seeing like a Tumblr post like years ago that are like, you could buy them in real life, but they're like made by one tiny factory in the UK somewhere. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't, if I'm trying to cosplay, I can't buy these boots, but they are very cute. (laughs) Yeah, no, they are, but they're still like, they're the kind of shoes that have like the rounded skinny laces that come untied all the time and i'm sure they're not like super grippy and they're just not as like bendy like if you're jogging you want a shoe that's like that's true very flexible yeah so i mean i guess maybe if you're a very spry time lord yeah no i obviously it's fine like he's doing fine it's kind of like buffy constantly wearing like heeled boots and yeah running as much as she does and you're like whatever you're supernatural I was just going to say, the lack of arch support in a pair of Chuck Taylors makes them actually not very good for his shoes. No, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. However. Love a pair of Chuck Taylors. But... TARDIS-generated shoes are going to actually be, like, perfect. So yeah. I take it all back. It doesn't matter. The Doctor can wear any shoes, and they're going to be 
perfect for the amount of running required. Yeah, they're going to be out of literal space age material that is <laughs> yeah. probably like walking in a cloud that we can yeah. only dream of. Yeah. Um, anything else? Um, I don't particularly care for the Fez. That's, that's just me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, bro. Like, there are a lot of other fun hats you could be wearing, but I get it. It's just it's a silly. running joke. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a running But I think joke. it's like... Can't make fun of Chuck Taylors, my dude, when you're wearing a fez. I'm sorry. It's just, no, we can't. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Um, My first thing is, is that I'm actually really glad that sort of the purpose of this episode is showing that the doctor didn't really commit genocide because I'm like, oh, like you're like you're one dude deciding to commit genocide for billions of people. Like that's fucked up. <laughs> oh, that does. Mm, yeah, not not a great thing to show, I think. So I appreciate the fact that it's like, oh, actually, we can kind of put everyone on pause. And not have murdered billions of Gallifreyans. And maybe you won't be the last time, Lord. Cool. Yeah. I th- I mean, yes, it's definitely it's definitely better. Um, I think that like for people who haven't watched Doctor Who, like the context is that the Time Lords and the Daleks, which are a manufactured species by one evil dude who are like bred to be only evil and to want only Daleks to exist in all of time and space. They're they're murder robots. I guess I mean They're not robots though. They're like weird true. octopi inside of a robot shell. And so they're like in a battle and they both have time travel. And so like it's called the time war because it's like existing at all points, but also it's like spreading out through space in a way that I think of like the saga comics where it's like, it just keeps taking over like more and more worlds around them. So the reason behind the doctor being like, I have to blow up Gallifrey is basically like the only way to kill all of the Daleks and like end the war was by using the moment, this magical murder like weapon of mass destruction to just like take everything out all at once and yeah that's fucking heavy and like has been the driving force behind the doctor that we've had up until this season so for like seven seasons at this point and it's really nice to have it be like but maybe not yeah exactly i mean like i think both for his character and also just, like, both for those sort of, like, terrible implications of him, like, making this choice just sort of kind of, like, on his own is, like, who are you to make this choice, my dude, you know? I feel like this is a fun, like, philosophy qu- class question, though, because, like, would you make a different choice? I mean, that's true. I mean, it is sort of, like, it's hard, because it's, like, I think that... If it's like, right, 7 billion, like, let's say 7 billion Gallifreyans versus, like, the entire universe of, like, you know, conscious beings, it's sort of like, you kind of have to make the, like, push the red button call. So, 
yeah. I don't know. It's just like, I would not ever want to be in that position. <laughs> right. And unlike with the Zygon invasion parallel, there is no compromise to be had because Daleks are just literally evil. Like, you can't, you can't reach a compromise with a Dalek because, like... I think confusingly what they want is for there to be only Daleks. And then I'm like, what would you do? You would be so bored. Stop trying to kill everything that's not a Dalek because eventually, if you're successful, you're all going to be fucking miserable because all you love is killing. Come on. Think about it. No, they're just going to invent Dalek racism and it's like, oh, well, you're like different colored Daleks. So so we're going to fucking murder you. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, this could turn like it's just kind of like you're just gonna turn on yourself because it's like what else, you did this is all you know yeah so yeah yeah and they don't really have the foresight to think about that to be like all right but if you succeed right that's really your worst nightmare yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah i honestly think that like probably i would also make the choice to kill all of my own people if it meant saving the rest of the universe because it seems like also given like what we see in this episode is that like the Daleks are going to win. Like in that moment, the Daleks are going to win. And if the Time Lords are the only species, the only planet that can fight them, then like it's not just like our war is going to ravage the entire universe. It's like they'll just move on from Gallifrey to like take over everywhere else. So, yeah. What do you have? I mean, do you, do you have everything in this section? I do. Yeah. Um, I do really, really love the line, like, if, if this doesn't work, at least we failed doing the right thing as opposed to succeeding in doing the wrong. I think that's really powerful. I mean, good, good words to live by. I don't know. Totally. Honestly. Yeah. I, so in the, like, Zygon plot line, the only people in the room who end up knowing which one is the human and which is the Zygon are the two Osgoods because one of them has the inhaler and it's human Osgood that starts out with the inhaler and is like, Shh, like, don't tell. And I think that's like a really lovely moment and makes me really happy. I know they can be friends, I guess. Cause I, I, yeah. I mean, you, you know, sort of where this plot resolves, but I'm kind of like, I guess shape shifting into humans and living as humans is clearly the only solution to this, I guess, kind of as being like, we can just share planet earth. You know, you could have thrown in clean up the oceans or something, but whatever. I mean, that's just me. <laughs> <being> like <laughs> the microplastics yeah. anyway, <laughs> Yeah. but yeah. I don't know. That was, I did think that was actually a very lovely moment. Um, I want to talk about the Black Archives. Okay. <laughs> Which is a shout out to, I think, something that happens in the Sarah Jane Chronicles. Um, it, they bring it up. But basically, like, bunker of, like, do- of, like, the doctor collected stuff that unit is like, we actually don't want you to have, like, we, we need to keep this so secret from both the doctor and other countries that like everyone who works here has to have their memory wiped every time they leave, which is funny, not funny. It is a good safety precaution, honestly, but also you would have to pay me so much money <laughs> to work at a place where it's like, I'm having my first day for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? 
is that dude gonna be okay? Like, what is that doing to his brain? Like, what is something yeah. fucked up happens and you just don't remember? And they're just like, we can just pretend it didn't happen. No one needs to call HR. Yeah. We just don't remember. And I'm like, mm, no, no thanks. No thanks. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I So my only other thing here is just like the love that I have for like... <laughs> Uh, when Kate is explaining to Clara about, like, how, uh, the time, the vortex manipulator is, like, their most guarded thing, because, and then is, like, (laughs) imagine Americans with the ability to rewrite history. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, just really, yeah. Yeah. Live because I'm like that is correct. <laughs> Even though the UK is not innocent of having done shitty things in the history of the world, aka colonizing half of the planet. Um, but I was immediately then like, yeah, someone in the US government would be like, slavery's still legal. Sorry, y'all. This was the best thing that happened to the US economy. We want it back, which is I think true of a lot of like white Republicans really just want slavery back. Yeah. So um see. The incarceration numbers and how much prisoners get paid to do things. Um, It is not a lot and it is a lot of things that they do. So, yeah, I'm like, it's kind of, it's like, it should have been a self own, but I'm like, I also understand that did because they are, is correct. (laughs) I would not trust anyone in America with the ability to time travel. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yes. (sighs) So. Yep. Yeah, that was a very good joke, but also I'm like, yes. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. One of the things, maybe the thing that I love the most about this episode is the tangible giddiness that you see from Matt Smith about getting to act with David Tennant. It's so fucking adorable. Like, it just fills my heart like a balloon. Yeah, I think the it's yeah, you're right. It's 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 just lovely. It is very lovely. And I mean, I know that both of them were just really super stoked to be playing the doctor as characters, so it's just like very exciting to be for Matt Smith to be just like I get to be on screen with David Tennant. I remember watching you on TV, man. It's great. Yeah. So it's very it's just very cute. It's so cute so cute the first scene in the woods is just like full of so many moments that just feel so effervescent you know and like oh god i just love it when they both put on their glasses and then like (laughs) it's It's so good it's It's so so good it's like it it's actually kind of sad that we're like only see them interact in this episode but thankfully it's an hour and 15 minutes so yeah which normally these episodes are like 45 ish minutes yeah yeah um folks so this is like the movie the the closest we have to a doctor who movie essentially (laughs) yeah besides the actual doctor who movie that came out in the 90s it's not good i can't imagine it is not good (laughs) all right yeah um my only rant is that Okay, wait, sorry. What are these shape-shifting aliens called? Zygons. The Zygons. 
our Power Rangers monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I had so many names for them in my notes. Uh, yeah, these Zygons are excellent. They're excellent aliens because obviously shape-shifting aliens has been done before in a lot of media. But what I think takes it the extra step is that they clear that Zygons clearly have some kind of telepathy mind reading abilities. So it's like, even if you're to do the trope of a like, well, okay, say something that your d- duplicate wouldn't know. It's like, they would know that they know everything about you. And that's sort of like scene where the, uh, Zygon Osborne like reads her to filth. It's like real. I'm just like, damn, that was unnecessary, but also <laughs> excellent. Yeah, <laughs> but it's she's like, like, you've got some perfectly awful memories in here. <laughs> it was so it was so rude. It's like that was uncalled for, but perfect because it's like, oh yeah, like you would literally not be able to tell by talking to a Zygon if they. If, you know, they were the, you know, the original person or the Zygon person. It's just like, it's just, it is an an excellent threat. And it also just really makes the sort of conclusion of like, well, we're just going to wipe everyone's memories. So now you don't know who is who. Because you like, you wouldn't know. You would have all these memories of being a person. And none of the memories of being a Zygon. So you'd be like, but I remember having that, that like 15th birthday party. So like. Yeah. I just really, I just really like, I always appreciate a well thought out, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. Alien? I just, this is just well thought out, where it's like, you've, you've done shape-shifting before, but like having, like, shape-shifting where it's just like, almost infallible, mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. You know, because it just, it makes it so much scarier. Yeah. You know, even though, despite looking like weird tentacle penises, like, they're not really scary, I think. Yeah. <laughs> They really went in on the like venom sacks and the tongue thing, <laughs> which is which was also really funny. It's so funny, yeah. So listeners, there's like this ongoing kind of thing where like David Tennant's doctor has already kissed a Zygon because he like tells Queen Elizabeth that they're surprisingly good kissers, but then like is kissed again by a Zygon because like the actual Queen Elizabeth and the Zygon Queen Elizabeth both kiss him and Matt Smith is just like ribbing him about kissing a Zygon is like suckers like venom sacks in the tongue whatever and like they say it but then when when Kate morphs they spent their entire CGI budget on this one face morph she morphs into a Zygon and she's just like spitting just spitting so much apparently venom out as she morphs it, it, it was i am glad that they spent their cgi budget because it because it looked really cool and i'm like this is deeply effective yeah no it, it's so unsettling and and for folks uh this what we're describing like isn't creepy it's like kind of gross but i mean this shit is like milder than like the some of the gore on Buffy, honestly. Yeah. So I feel like for I mean, if you're gonna watch this episode or other episodes, you know, there's some deeply weird and kind of creepy ones, but I think none of them really approach like scary. No. Um, but yeah, that was deeply gross. <laughs> and yeah. I was also just like, all right, yeah. 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 Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. I, I, what I really like about this episode is it's sort of implying about how 
How much like 10 is a doctor that fucks? And I mean, 11 is Mary's River Song. So clearly he's not like uh, a celibate hero. But we have him seducing Queen Elizabeth, you know, at this picnic. And the sort of assumption that this isn't the first time that he has kissed a Zygon Mm -hmm. (laughs) that 11 mentions. And it is just... Correct. It is the yeah. correct, <laughs> the correct <laughs> assumption about the way David Tennant is playing the doctor. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When he's doing his like farewell tour, because listeners, he like dies slowly of radiation poisoning, so he gets to like go on a farewell tour and like give everyone that he loves a gift. The gift that he gives Captain Jack is like a boyfriend. <laughs> by which i mean he just like gives him someone's number but like it's very much like here's this dude i met that i think you'll like here you go i mean but also at the end of is it the end of his first season when he gives where he like sends rose to like a different universe with like a human-ish version of himself to be like have fun with my sort of double i'm just like bro what it's (laughs) it's his third season Okay. Because it's after the after the Dr. Donna. So, yeah, it's... Okay. Yeah, no, he's definitely, like, the horny doctor. And yeah, and... It's great. And and the fact that, like, Eleven shows up and is like, I'm not here to, like, kick shame this threesome you're about to have, but, like, important things. I, I need your head <laughs> in the game about this, like, sort of, like, important A-plot thing. <laughs> like, he just, like, doesn't even question the fact that, like, okay, you're doing some weird shit in the woods, that's fine. But... <laughs> yeah oh yeah um this is very relevant to my one thing that is not in this episode but is something that is canonically confirmed to me by this episode so this episode says point blank when there's more than one doctor in a place at the same time the time streams are out of sync and they can't remember it right yeah so that's true in a good man goes to war rory goes to get river from storm cage and she's like it's my birthday the doctor took me ice skating whatever whatever and then they're talking and rory's like blah 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 unless there's two of him and river goes now that's a whole different birthday which very clearly, she's like, I have fucked more than one doctor at a time, right? Which, of, of course. Right. And Duh. so, and the, the only thing is that, like, canonically, she meets Tenet the day that she dies. So it's like, mm. when would that have happened? However, we know that he would not remember having met her if it was when he's having a threesome with her and Eleven. So, and she acts like she already knows him in that face when they meet, even though it's their first time meeting and then she dies, um, or it's his first time meeting her. So he very well could have met her, had this birthday threesome with her, forgotten that it ever happened, and then met her for the first time again in silence in the library. No, headcanon accepted. Somewhere in between all of this, Eleven's (laughs) like, okay, listen, um, I owe my wife really big. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I'm gonna need you to hop in my TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, go with it. You'll you'll you will not you will be you will you will not complain about I, I swear to you this is gonna be <laughs> the coolest evening of our entire lives. Yeah, and like they obvi- obviously, like obviously, if you were the doctor, you would absolutely have sex with your other incarnations. Like why would you not do that? So Yeah. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I just am so glad to be able to tell this theory to someone who's not Evan, who has heard me talk about it like 75 <laughs> times. I, ha- I am so happy to hear this because, yes, you're correct. And I mean, obviously, Sans in the Library is crushing for a variety of reasons. But the fact that we don't ever get to see much more like banter slash flirting between David Tennant and uh, David Tennant's doctor and River is just a travesty. Yeah. But yes. But now we can all rest easy knowing that they fucked at least one time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the health and science section where we research stuff. Uh, I'm going to start by asking you what you know about the Royal Ravens. What do I know? Uh, a little bit. Okay. So I know that there is a myth slash superstition that if all of the Ravens in the Tower of London like leave or like aren't there, that the British Empire will fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think maybe from the past like 30 or 40 years, they've like clipped the wings of the Ravens that live there. And like, like they're being fed, obviously, but they're sort of like, kept ravens Mm -hmm. like the ravens because they used to hang people and like torture people and it used to be a prison there would just be ravens there for free food but now the ravens are just there to be fed and be tourist attractions slash uh superstition insurance (laughs) insurance against the fall of the british empire yeah yeah, so that's accurate. Um, listeners who haven't watched the episode or missed it, uh, at the very beginning, Kate is like e- eating something and like watching the ravens basically and says to Osgood, like, the ravens are looking a bit sluggish. Get Malcolm to check their batteries, which is hilarious. That's so funny. Um, and so I want to just talk a little bit about the ravens. What you said is like spot on. Um, they have been around since Charles II. I don't know when that was, but it was at a time when there was a royal astronomer. So I'm guessing a long time ago. <laughs> because, That's pretty cool. Um, Charles II uh, insisted that the ravens of the tower be protected because he was warned, it doesn't say by who, that the crown and the tower itself would fall if they left. And it says... The order was given against the wishes of his astronomer, who complained that the ravens impeded the business of his observatory. (laughs) So, okay. So, I'm definitely imagining some dude in a robe who's like, I'm trying to, like, observe the stars, but I'm being harassed by, like, an entire murder of crows. What is... Unkindness? Is it unkindness of ravens? yes. I'm being harassed by an entire unkindness of ravens because ravens are smart. (laughs) And I'm like, can we just get rid of these guys? And he's like, no, no, we cannot. Right. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, I fucking love this. I wish I had known this before I went to London so that I could have seen them. But there is a royal raven master, and that is the only person who is allowed to go near the ravens. Their wings are clipped, but they can still fly. 
so they're not like super kept ravens um they have like it says some have gone absent without leave <laughs> in the past and then sometimes they get fired <laughs> my god <laughs> um a raven named George was dismissed because he was eating television aerials. Wow. <laughs> I guess he was like, you know, a disappointment to the throne. So they had to fire. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, and also, I just think this is incredible. They're fed twice a day by the Raven Master. They dine on a special diet of mice, chicks, rats, and assorted raw meats. But as a special treat, they're given biscuits soaked in blood. Oh my god, so god! <laughs> no! Oh my god! Oh, wow, I wish it was my job. You would make such a good Raven Master. Oh my god, I know. Um, This is why... Just United States, come on. Why can't we have more fun things, honestly? This is a country with no chill. This country has zero chill. It's true. I mean, maybe arguably the UK also has zero chill, honestly. <laughs> so. They at least have some whimsy, though, you know? Yeah. <sighs> All right. We did it. We did it. We did it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. Check the show notes for all the things. Um, do you want to know the names of the current ravens before we yes, wrap up? All right. I sure do. So the current ravens are Jubilee, Harris, Grip, Aaron, Poppy, Georgie, Edgar, and Branwen. I love them. <laughs> <laughs>